Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away. I am Drew Vanderplug. I am joined once again, as always, by Cody Welton. Cody. Happy snow day. Happy snow day. Yeah, we got snowed in today in Kansas City. We're recording this on Thursday. And uh, yeah, I got a good eight inches at the house. Um, That's about what we got to. Yeah, so we got our shoveling complete and we're ready to talk about sport in Kansas City. Um, I got a little bit of news to go over that happened since the last podcast. We have signed a striker. There are now at least two available on the roster to play. Um, we have some, uh, discussion about the last preseason match that was streamed on sportingkansascity.com against the Phoenix rising. Um, some great news regarding how we can consume sporting Kansas city, uh, broadcasts in the future. And, um, some other thoughts about, um, press conferences and conversations Peter's had within the greater sporting Kansas city sphere over the last week that we will discuss as well. So first things first, Nikola Vujinovic, Vujinovic, they did not give us a, a, a pronunciation primer on this guy again. I, I heard Vujinovic when he was playing against the Netherlands. I do remember that match in World Cup qualifying against the Netherlands and they called him Vujinovic. I've heard Vujinovic, something along those lines. But he uh, is a Montenegrin striker, center forward. He can play on the wing, but he's mostly a center forward or plays in a two forward system. Um, 25 year old kid that's been playing in Serbia uh, has been leading that team in goal scoring, but they're not, they're not red star Belgrade. So they are kind of down the uh, table a little bit there, but he has been um, performing fairly well for them recently. And um, had a very nice eight minute long compilation video on YouTube of all of his great goals. Um, I, you know, had all of the requisite um, EDM music in the background that you expect to see from one of these highlight reel videos. The one thing that I noticed is that he can score with either foot and he seemed to get on the end of crosses really well. That was something that I just noticed is that the vast majority of the goals were him either making a near post run or a far post run on a long ball and getting it to his feet or to his head and being pretty good at finishing those. Did you watch any of that? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. And, you know, he's, he's, he seemed to be goal dangerous and in the box. And, you know, one of those players who uh, stays alive in the box and uh, stays ready. And, you know, I don't want to call him, I don't know, poacher, box in the box, whatever you want to call a player like that. All of those uh, tropes are great. Now, all of your football manager tropes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I had scouted this one in football manager. I had, it, it didn't un, unbeknownst to me had scouted him in football manager. Now I'm a few, I'm like a year and a half into a save on FM 21. So I don't know how realistic these numbers were, but, um, athleticism was very good. Like he was fast mm-hmm. and, um, finishing was very good. Those were the two things that kind of popped out at me about his skill set and, those are things that I think, you know, we would need from the position. Um, I don't know what his technical combination ability looks like, but yeah, he, he, those are the things you saw in the video too, that he's, he's able to get behind and he's able to get on the end of a ball. I think uh, one of the things that really stands out is that he doesn't play like a player that we currently have on the roster. He seems to be uh, something a little bit different and that kind of continues that theme that we've been talking about the last few weeks is that, you know, not only do we have, some squad depth, but we have depth that represents, you know, different approaches and different skill sets. And uh, I think 
you know, I think it's 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 interesting. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how he integrates. He's, you know, he's only on, um, he's only on a one-year loan. Um, he, you know, he has like ten goals right um, uh, this season yep. for his team. Only one assist. So, you know, who knows? Um, who knows what what that um, what that means for his integration into the Kansas City style? But you know. Uh, I mean, we'll see. It's 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 really really difficult to you know to to kind of project how a player from you know that completely different league is going to come in and and how he's going to adapt to Sporting Kansas City and uh, Peter Vermey's system. So it's exciting, at least. Well, and he is, you know, I don't want to you know be a wet blanket here, but he is exactly what we said to expect last week: an international mm-hmm. player playing in a league you probably don't watch and you've probably never heard of him before. Um, and that's kind of what he is. Um, he is coming on a loan with an option to buy at the end of the season. Um, I don't, you know, I think it's an opportunity for him to show that he should be on the team. He's also 25. So he's not, you know, he's not like some young developmental kid. I mean, he's a professional player. So I don't know. We'll see. Like, yeah, I, I would say again, the same thing we said last week was temper expectations. First of all, you know, Sionis hasn't even made it to the club yet. Who knows how long it's going to take for this guy to get his visa, get his passport back, get it and, you know, get even get to Kansas City, much less get integrated into the squad. You know, Peter talked about, uh, you know, certain players have integrated very quickly. Udi Rossell, obviously, you know, he knows the system and knows what he's doing very well. But he said that Ben Sweat and Logan and Denbaya have integrated really quickly. Volader has not because it's a completely different system and a way of playing center back. So there's there's no telling when the guy gets here how fast he can integrate, how much he can offer. And the fact of the matter is Kyrie is the starting center forward, period. Even with even if this guy was here tomorrow and knew the system backward and forward, Kyrie, Kyrie Shelton is starting the first game of the season and, and is going to start for quite a while until proven otherwise. So Burmese's well, comments seem to indicate that um, – Neither, neither uh, Nicola nor um, uh, Sionis. That neither of those guys might be here for the the season opener. So, right, know, that's a couple of weeks away. So, I mean, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of logistics that they have to work through in order for those guys to even get here. And so, so if they're not even getting into into you know, Sporting Kansas City camp uh, for a couple of weeks, you know, it's probably going to be you know, uh, four to six weeks before they really start to, to integrate into the team and anything more than, you know, maybe, um, maybe, you know, small sub minutes off of the bench. Yep. And I, that's, we only say all of those things not to, you know, make everybody sad, but to just be realistic about what you can mm-hmm. expect from these guys in the short term. I think that they will be positive additions to the roster long-term. But in over the next, you know, four to eight weeks, let's be realistic about how much they can contribute, given that they're not even in Kansas City yet. Um, Look, Vermes plays like he's a very demanding coach, but and he plays a very demanding system and style. And, you know, so it's it's unrealistic to expect you know, new arrivals to, to blend right in. And, and that's not even considering, you know, all of the logistical issues that MLS as a, as, as gen, as a general rule um, poses for, you know, players who are coming in. So yep. Yep, be patient and uh, you know, we'll see, you know, in a month or so how things are looking with those guys. 
Yeah, so um, you know, the other keynote that I remember, I actually remember watching this game. I pay fairly close attention to the Netherlands national team. It is the why the, uh, country, the country of my <laughs> of my people. Um, oh. <laughs> my great grandfather immigrated from the Netherlands. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, if there's a European, you know, national team that I keep an eye on, it's the Netherlands, and um, he scored a very nice headed goal to get a draw against the Netherlands, Montenegro, you would not expect to be competing with the Netherlands in a world cup qualifier and absolutely posted up daily blend. Like just, I mean, and now daily blend is, he is far on the wrong side of 30 and still for some (laughs) reason playing center back for the Netherlands, but that's a separate conversation. Absolutely just posted him up and, and uh, scored a very beautiful headed goal against him. So, you know, the guy's got a nose for goal and want and does want to take shots. And I think yep. that that's good. I mean, it, that that could be a potential addition that we need because I I would say that, you know, sometimes our options at center forward are a little bit reluctant to pull the trigger. So mm-hmm. I would I would like to see I would like to see someone that's doing something different from that position. So again, we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be months before we have a real good read on this guy, and we'll have to just take it all in at that point. Um, there was a there was a preseason game uh, that was broadcast on the Sporting Kansas City website. Um, Sporting goes down to Phoenix Rising two to one. It was one one in the first half. Um, it was a it was a let's call it an up and down. Performance for Logan and Denbe, a lot of good stuff that I liked. A um, couple things I didn't like. I think he was a little bit responsible on the goal that Phoenix got. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it's typical preseason. I'm not putting a ton into it, especially on the attacking side of things. You just want to see them solid and defending well. And with the exception of that one instance, I felt like the, the first team at least was fairly solid and, and was doing the things you wanted to see them do. Um, yeah. we'll get into that a little bit more in a second, um, and let Cody kind of talk through the things that he saw on the field based on what we've heard from Peter about what he's trying to do. Um, the other key piece of news, that was very nice to hear this week is that sporting has gotten out of their deal with Bally sports. So no more Bally sports, no more, um, no more me traveling to Chicago to tune in to watch uh, matches, <laughs> Um, it's i think it's it's that's such good news um and not just because it you know it makes it easier for fans but um you know i think in the last couple of years the the uh the club has gotten a uh they've seemed to acquire a little bit of a reputation uh, deserved or otherwise of of you know maybe having transitioned to a less fan-friendly club um in some respects and uh, this is definitely, you know, I don't, I don't think they did, you know, they did this just to appease their fans, um, but, uh, but this is a, a something that really helps fans, and uh, and it looks good for the club uh, to kind of get a win um, for for you know us working folk, um, and and you know it, the funny thing is that is that uh, Peter Vermes actually said that his wife actually had problems watching games away games, uh, and that's a really amazing, and that's. That you know, no wonder they they ran through. I mean, I know that I contacted my um, my uh, season ticket rep and you know complained on more than one occasion about the the lack of access. So uh, it's really really nice uh, to see them 
you know, help us help fans out a little bit. Absolutely. And the, the nice part is that there are all kinds of consumption options. You can get it over yeah. the air on 38 to spot, or if you've still got, you know, regular, you know, standard subscriber cable, it's obviously available there. Um, but there's also going to be streaming on the website as well as via the, the sporting one component of the new app. Well, it's, it's, I guess the, the app isn't new, but the sporting one component is, I would suggest you look in there if you haven't already, if you go in the sporting app and you go to the little watch tab and sporting one, they've got all the press conferences in there. They've got all the fun videos, you know, Zussi mic'd up, um, you know, the, there was a, uh, that, Zussi, that Zussi mic'd up thing with, with Rizzo, honestly, <laughs> It, it, it warmed my heart. It was so sweet and endearing. Uh, I loved it so much. It was really great. Um, doing the, the, the three-way hug and I want to kiss oh, you all. Oh, yeah, over. Johnny coming in at the end. It was so perfect. <laughs> it's the most Johnny thing ever. It was. It Wonderful. Was, it was fantastic. So if, if you like that type of content, um, I would I would suggest checking it out. I'm not trying to hype up Sporting Zap in any way. I just didn't even know about some of the stuff that was on there. No. And when I went and looked, there was some there was some cool stuff. And I was able to listen to those press conferences. Normally, I'm looking at the rundown from Chad Smith or somebody as far as quotes. And it actually had the full press conference for both Peter and uh, Shallowy this week, which was nice for me to be able to just listen to in my and hear it in my uh, hear the actual words. So um, I would say that if you like consuming that type of content, it's all there. There was a there was a good thing on Ben Sweat as well. He is now my new favorite player on the team because I did not know this, but he is a Tottenham fan. So mm. that is that is um, he likes pain. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we're all masochists in some way, shape, or form. I feel like, but um, yeah, it was it was nice to you know that I had no idea Ben Sweat was a Tottenham fan. It's just kind of fun little stuff you see like that that you know, get, get to know the players and the team a little bit more, but also the content, you know, that you might be interested in is there. So I, it's great that all that's going to be there. I'm going to be able to cast it to my, uh, to my TV and, uh, and watch, uh, watch matches that without needing a subscription to a VPN or something like that. So great. There was one other thing that they, they added to this. There's a new analytics partner. Did you see this part of it? And some of the video, yeah. the way that they're going to, they're going to utilize that. So the, you know, the nerd in me got really fired up for that because the data that they're going to be able to show in matches, they're going to be able to show positioning, average positioning and all the kind of things that usually you need someone with an Opta subscription or to, to post it up. You, you're waiting for Paul Carr to post a heat map or Doyle's got the stuff via MLS sometimes where he'll put some of it up there. But, you know, you can't rely on those guys to do it all the time for the matches you're watching. It's going to be really nice to be able to consume that information. And a lot of it, you're going to be able to consume live. It looked like they had like live overlays on video as well. And I think in general, like that is, that's an area where soccer uh, can improve, especially uh, for people consuming it in this country. It's, it's kind of, you know, maybe behind sports like, like the NBA or, or the NFL in terms of, the kind of the kind of you know real time um, analytics that they can sort of overlay on the action, and so it's uh, it's exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to see, you know, I, I don't know how much creativity each you know each uh, team is uh, is afforded with that kind of stuff, or if this is just specific to Sporting Kansas City. But um, I'm excited to to see what they come up with. This is not an MLS thing. It's from what it appears to me. This appears to be a sporting right. partnership, which I find interesting because MLS does have a relationship already um, with a with an analytics provider, and that's where they get all their data that goes on their website. Mm-hmm. 
So there must be some ability by teams to do their own stuff. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about this. But it, it I'm very interested to see how it's used and um, what maybe might come on the sporting website after games, kind of the data that they're able to put out there. I know that they said that, that the coaches are going to have access to a bunch more information specific to this analytics provider. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the name because it's an acronym that I don't really know how you would pronounce. But um, if you go to – Sporting's Twitter feed, it they talk about them a little bit more. And you can see like a sample video of what they're attempting to do for live broadcasting. But I, I believe that it's also going to add to what um, um, Nate and Jacob are going to be able to discuss during matches, pregame and postgame as well. So I think it's great to, to have another way to add to the the value of those of those broadcasts. And the fact that I can see them is even better. Yeah. So yeah, between yeah. that and, and no ballet sports, it feels like we're living in the future, man. I mean, <laughs> we, we went from 1980 <laughs> to 2022 really fast. Um, so good times. Um, Peter spent about 20, 25 minutes on the sporting KC show recently. Um, they just put it in the podcast feed, I think yesterday or something like that, that I had heard some quotes from the podcast, but I hadn't seen it. And then it popped up in the feed, I think yesterday day before that. And so I did listen to that interview. There was some very interesting stuff in there. The first thing I'm going to cover is what is some stuff that he alluded to in the press conference when talking about Vunjevic, which is they worked really hard and went through a variety of different players trying to identify and sign a center forward. Um, and what he discussed on the Sporting Kansas City show was some frustration related to MLS discovery list process, um, roster mechanisms and things kind of getting in the way of them signing the people they wanted to. Um, he mentioned saying that they, they had a deal that they felt like they could get done and just couldn't accomplish because of these roster mechanisms. He didn't specifically call a team out. He didn't specifically say one thing or another, but he did really highlight the discovery list being an issue and the fact that teams you know, if you're lower in priority on the discovery list for a player than the team that you're asking for, you basically have to ask their permission. And at which point that team can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're negotiating with them. We're trying to sign them. And then you're basically screwed at that point. You can't do anything. And he, he agreed with the fact that it's not like MLS, uh, the, the MLS office can really validate every single one of those situations. It, but it creates a situation where you kind of get put in limbo and, and it's unfortunate for the player too, because the player may want to come to MLS and then can't because a team that wants to sign them is unable to do so because another team is like, no, no, no. Well, we want him on our discovery list and you know, we're going to try and sign him ourselves or we don't want someone else to get him instead of us. And um, it seemed to be that there was at least one player that they were trying to sign that that was the case. Um, we know that they took a run at Altador. We know they took a run at Hota Hota Macias. Um, or at least the reporting is very strong in both of those cases. So I don't know what exactly occurred there, but you could tell that he was a little bit frustrated by it. I mean, I think that that's part of the problem and it's a continual problem with MLS is that the whole process is so opaque and all the rules are so opaque that you don't, uh, you don't have any idea really what's going on. And, and that's, you know, that, that gives credence to conspiracy theories of, you know, like, you know, if, if we were the galaxy or if we were, you know, uh, Seattle, does a deal get done? 
because we're in a big mar market because we're you know one of those teams and um you know, I, I as I have said in the past, I'm a I'm an I'm an MLS libertarian. I don't want I don't want all these rules. I want, you know, I want a, a, a you know open level playing field for everybody. Um, so it's it, it's disappointing and it's interesting, you know, that Peter would uh, <laughs> would come out and talk about it because uh, Peter when Peter does that, it's you know he doesn't just fly uh, by the seat of his pants. He is not doing that to send a message. So uh, hats off to him for doing so. Yeah, he's generally got an example and has dealt yeah. with it enough and seen it as a legitimate concern if he's going to if he's going to talk about it. So I, I thought it was a very interesting um, part of that interview that he discussed and he did bring it up in the press conference that they had some other, he, he didn't specify the discovery list or anything as a problem. He just said, we had someone that we thought we were going to be able to sign and for various MLS roster reasons, we were not able to do so. And, and I'm paraphrasing, but that that's basically what he said. So I, this is always going to be, I mean, not always, but for the foreseeable could, future. Could that player have been Macias? I think so. Yeah. I think so. so I mean that. Then it. You know, the Macias has to be on somebody else's discovery absolutely, list. Absolutely, absolutely. This guy, this guy is an rising star uh, in the Mexican national team. Will probably feature heavily for them in their next World Cup cycle. Maybe not this one, but definitely the next one. And of course, he's probably on someone else's list. And. Yeah. So, and it was reported that multiple MLS teams were offering him stuff. Mm -hmm. So it must've been a situation where as soon as Peter said, Hey, we want to try and sign this guy, whoever was above him on the discovery list is like, no, 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 you're not getting this. And it could have been someone on the Western conference that doesn't want to go against him. I mean, I, it's ridiculous from, from, from that, from a competitive perspective if I'm on the other team, yeah, I get why you do it, but the, the mechanism shouldn't exist. Like that's right. if, if he's ready to sign with us, I mean, that would have been a coup for Sporting to get him. And it probably would have been a loan, just like Vunjevic is, but that's fine. I mean, Chivas isn't going to give him up for small potatoes. There's no way that's happening. But a loan would have been fine, especially yeah. for this year. And if he goes and blows the lid off the place, then he gets that big transfer to somewhere else. So I, it's frustrating because I think it's going to be – I think it stagnates the player as well. But, you know, here we are. I, I – yeah, if you're asking Drew's like reading between the lines, who do I think it was? I think it was Macias. I think that that is that that would make sense if you're connecting the dots. I don't have any inside information that that's the case, but it would make a lot of sense. Let's agree. Let's agree to blame Seattle, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just fuel that fire. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Seattle. I mean, he. I don't see why he couldn't be on their list. They'd have no way to sign him. Right. I don't, I don't think it was him. I think it's more likely that it was, you know, uh, galaxy LA. or somebody galaxy like that or, or LAFC. I, I, could see, I could see either one of those teams yep. definitely having him. And, you know, the galaxy just signed. Um, oh my God. I'm having a mind blank. The Brazilian winger. Who did they sign? Um, sorry guys. There's <laughs> Sometimes been so many signings. I can't, I mean, MLS <laughs> has been crazy this off season. I can't even keep them straight. I can't, I yeah, can barely I'll, keep all of them signing straight. I know who I'm thinking of and my brain just broke, but I apologize. But, um, well, at any rate that I don't think LA, I don't think either LA team has the ability with their current roster designations to be able to do it, but I could see them trying to act like they were going to, and in yeah. order to keep someone else from signing it. So anyway, the, the other key part of that um, of that interview 
with Peter was around Kyrie Shelton. And I'm going to preface this conversation by saying that we are not going to spend 20 minutes on Kyrie Shelton's strengths and weaknesses every single podcast. I promise you that is not going to be the case. But I do believe that there is something we do need to discuss around Kyrie regarding um, how he's been used as a player, what we can reasonably expect from him as the first choice number nine for the rest of the year. Because at least for the next three months, he's going to be the first choice number nine. And unless Vunjevic, unless he gets injured or Vunjevic comes in here and blows the lid off as soon as he gets into a match, he's likely to be the first choice number nine. So we have to kind of, you know, realistically break down what we expect to see from him. And something that Peter discussed in that interview was his feeling of whether or not he gave Kyrie the best chance to succeed as a center forward with how he positioned him and asked him to play in the past and said that, you know, based on his scouting of Kyrie in college, as well as when he was with New York and um, his understanding of his physique and his ability to occupy central defenders, which are both elite, like his, he has elite physical strength, speed, and ability to, you know, battle in a cage. Like all of those things are elite for a center forward. He sort of positioned him as a target forward, like getting in there, being a guy that holds up the ball, trying to, you know, play to his feet in the box. That's what you're looking for. Um, He has said that during preseason that he's asked, you know, seen him come back more and to combine in the way that Polito has done historically and said that he was very surprised to see that there was a lot of skill there that he perhaps hadn't been aware of before. And I say all this to say that, and then, and then he also highlighted the stat that we've seen going around for the last couple of weeks about Kyrie's winning percentage, how often sporting wins when Kyrie starts. And I, I understand why the club would want to manage the narrative around what the potential capabilities of the club will be with Kyrie at center forward. You've lost your $10 million striker for the entire season. You want to make both from a marketing perspective, as well as a, you know, managing, you know, keeping, keeping, um, keeping, you know, feelings positive and all these other kinds of things around the club. You want to drive a lot of positivity amongst the fan base. We're about to go into, you know, the home opener here in a couple of weeks. Let's get everybody jazzed up and fired up about the team. I understand why you want to do all those things, but first things first, win percentage for a striker is not a stat. Okay. This is not a real stat. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate what you're trying to say, by the fact that the club is successful when he's on the field, but it's like, we've, we just spent the last decade debunking quarterback wins in the NFL of being something realistically useful. This is, this is kind of like recreating that a little bit. And um, I just, I think it's an interesting piece of data, but I don't think it means anything other than the team was very good when he was on the field. And he was a part of them being very good for sure. He contributed significantly to them being very good, but to act like, because he's done that all of a sudden, if he were to start every match, sporting would win 65% of their games this year is a little bit disingenuous. And I don't think that I, I, I feel like we're, there's a little bit of narrative management going on 
with when it comes to Kyrie. And I think it's okay to recognize that he has a lot of positive traits that help this club. He is a perfect fit in so many ways, as Peter said, for many of the things they want to do. I have not seen this drop back combination stuff from him. I haven't seen him be very successful combining historically at all. Um, But I will admit that he may have been not instructed to do that as much as well. And so maybe the circumstances when I did see it, he wasn't expecting to do it or whatever. Um, But I, I feel like we're being a little bit, um, I don't know, disingenuous is the right word. We're just, if we're not highlighting the fact that there isn't, there is a flip side to this conversation, we're, we're just sort of, taking in, we're just eating and spooning in the information that we're being fed. And I do believe that there is a bias towards it from club employees right now. Well, and I think one of the disappointing thing is that, that, you know, uh, there are, there are a lot of commentators who even aren't associated with the club who are kind of uh, keeping that, uh, that sort of propaganda, if you will, alive. And, and I think that it's really important to realize that, um, this team um, is still a, uh, a an elite team and a playoff team, even if Shelton starts the entire year. Absolutely, um, even even with all the changes, right? Uh, he is, um, you know, he's not a bad player uh, at all. He has, um, as you were mentioning, he has a couple of of elite skill sets, uh, and those are things like, you know, he is, uh, you know, elite at winning aerial duels, which you know, kind of you know, maybe flies in the face a little bit of what Peter was saying. I mean, you want somebody at center forward who can win aerial duels. That's part of, mm-hmm. that's part of the value of, of having a, a player like that, you know, being, you know, responsible for hold up play. Uh, but one of the things that he does really well also is, is, is dribble. Like he is a very good dribbler in the open yeah. field. And, and that's, you know, having him strictly play that hold up role, uh, uh, a lot of times robs him of that ability uh, or the the opportunity to do that. And so, you know, definitely, you know, having him drop in could help. And, you know, I think that um, there are some other, there are some other things that that does to the way that the team plays um, that can, uh, that can be really, um, really valuable. You know, if he is vacating space, right. By, by dropping into the midfield to, you know, help stitch things together, um, then that leaves room for somebody else to occupy that space. And, you know, that, that means people, uh, players like Gotti Kinda, players like uh, Cameron Duke, players like Remy Walter, players like Felipe Hernandez, those, those eights then have the ability to, to, you know, switch spots with him essentially and fill that space. Um, and, you know, I've noticed that, you know, especially in the second half of the, uh, of the the preseason game against um, Phoenix, uh, I noticed Ozzy Cisneros doing something similar to that, where you know he would he would drop in, which is what he does. We talked about that last uh, last episode. And as he dropped in, then you know someone like Cam Duke would would rotate into that spot, and that um, that throws the defenses for a loop, and um, and it it can create attacking opportunities. And so, you know, I think there is the, the potential for that to be, um, to, you know, to be valuable. You know, the problem with that is that it doesn't really matter uh, whether 
Kyrie plays on the wing or whether he plays at center forward, um, he's not in either one of those positions uh, a serious threat to goal, and he's not even a really serious threat um, to assist. And um, and that's a problem. I mean, you can't you can't paper over the fact that that's a problem. Um, and and it is and you know subtracting a, a player of Polito's uh, caliber from the from the roster means that uh, it it you know the reason that Polito was signed was because uh, we couldn't get past that last hump, right? We would you know get to the playoffs and then uh, and then losing the playoffs because because the truth of the matter is you know designated players um, they make the difference in the playoffs time and time again. You know you pay for players uh, who have that magic who can uh, create goals either for themselves or for other people. Um, Kyrie is is not that dude, you know. Uh, he's not, and um, and we can't act like he is. Um, and that's not at all to say that he's a bad player because he's not. He's a he is a very very good player. He just has a very specific and somewhat limited skill set. Um, and you know, there's nothing wrong with with admitting that. Now, I don't expect Peter to obviously. Uh, I don't I don't expect Peter to come out and say you know those things. But you know, there's nothing wrong with as a fan looking at it objectively and saying you know you know this is. It's 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 again what we've you know encouraged people to do and temper your expectations right so temper your expectations about Shelton temper your expectations about um, the Sporting Kansas City attack at least at the beginning of the season and um, you know we'll see it, 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 it's better to it's better to be pleasantly surprised than than disappointed you know yeah absolutely um, again I don't, neither one of us is sitting here bagging on Kyrie Shelton. I just think that you're not being honest with yourself if you're not recognizing that there is a reduction in total skill set by going from Polito to Kyrie. So there Drew, it's, it's 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 kind of the same thing with Ilya, right? And yeah. and um, you know, um, in and it's it's similar also in respect to they're both like really good people. They're great yeah. dudes. I love People Kyrie. Love He's like life. the nicest, nicest, Absolutely. most genuine dude on planet Earth. And I, this has nothing to do with him as a person. Absolutely. And honestly, I said this too. He's a million times better at soccer than I will be at anything in my life. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that there are, it is dishonest to act like there are not some deficiencies in capability from Polito to Kyrie. There right. are. They're, they're well-documented. It's not difficult to see them. And Kyrie can still be working on his game and trying to level them up. And maybe we'll see some improvements in that area. But Alan Pulido is elite at some of these things. Like you sent the FB ref comparison out. Like his combination, key passes, passes leading to shots, all this kind of stuff is off the charts good when he's on the field. He creates goals. He does. He creates yeah, goals. I mean, that's that's goal, what goal, by scoring them himself, and and by passing players yep. into spaces that allow them to combine and do whatever to create a goal. That's why he costs nine million dollars. He creates exactly. goals. Exactly. It's not like at some point it's it's actually that simple. You know, Kyrie yep. is not a nine million dollar player because he doesn't create goals. Uh, that doesn't mean he's a bad player, uh, but that does mean that our attack is going to have to look for goals in other places. That's what it means. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. And so that's what you expect, right? You expect some of these changes that have occurred with the Marinos Chionis, with this player, you know, uh, Nikola Vunjevic, who has a different skill set. You, you also bring in an, a very dynamic left back that can really yep. push the ball up and, and combine on the side with Shallowy. And Shallowy talked about how he's already seen his ability to this was really interesting from his, from his press conference. He's, he's already seeing in Den Bay looking for Shallowy's run, understanding where it was so he can go to the other half space and they can When I hear that kind of stuff, I get fired up because yeah. that means that there's some, there's some new ideas and different ways of attacking the field, which are going to be necessary. We got to find eight goals from somewhere. Actually, we probably need to find about 14 to be completely yeah. honest. And so to expect Kyrie to provide those, is probably unrealistic. And so we've got to figure out how we're going to create those from other places. And I think that, you know, we're on the same page regarding that. Yeah. So I'm realistically just, seeing- just th- those goals, they like you, you have to expect that you're, as we discussed before that, you know, you're not going to get the same production from shallowy and Russell. And even if you do, you still need goals from other places. And so, and so that, you know, your, your default is it has to be the eights. It has to be, um, it has to be the fullbacks. And that's, that's just, that's just it. Unless, unless we're looking at set piece goals and, you know, I'm, as we talked about last time as well, we're really hoping for maybe a, a you know, an increase in, in set piece goals uh, with, uh, with a healthy EC. So we'll see. It's, yeah. It's, and I mean, I, the other thing is, is that, that that was the reading between the lines part of Peter's conversation that I thought we needed to, you know, highlight is if Kyrie is being allowed or asked to come drop back in and combine more, that does allow a Felipe Hernandez to overlap. That does allow a Gotti Kinda when he's yep. healthy to overlap. We saw Gotti do that a lot with Polito. Polito drops back. He'll drop all the way back to the circle and Gotti would overlap. Mm-hmm. And because he's such a smart attacking player, Kinda, he could get into dangerous spots. And then, you know, you've got wingers who are smart enough to see this run and you can create uh, an advantage in that way. So I'm telling you, Cam Duke is good at that. Like that is that, that is really, really, really solidly within Cam Duke's skill set, And, and so that should excite sporting Kansas city fans is the, you know, if Kyrie is dropping back, it creates a a huge opportunity for someone like Cam Duke Duke to get it. And Kyrie's got a ton of gravity. Like he pulls defenders with him. He's really good at that. Like that's something that, and so it would be, it would be smart to take advantage of that capability um, to create advantages for other players on, on, on the, uh, on the, on the front line. So um, again, we don't mean this is not a bag on Kyrie session. It's more of an understanding, you know, and being realistic about his strengths and weaknesses and how the team can set themselves up to take advantage of those strengths and then as well as create strengths in other parts of the field. Yeah. Cause at this point they're going to have to do that. I mean, there's no, yeah. you know, there's no, there's no Calvary. Um, and so, and so we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to. Look- not jumping off the bench. Like Willis not, Reed. He's not. <laughs> we're, uh, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to rely on Kyrie at least uh, for the first half of the season. Um, and I'm, I think probably likely after that, I don't think we should have expectations that uh, a summer signing um, comes in to fix things. Either. I don't think that they've so, got the the roster right. flexibility to yeah. do it at this uh, point, totally. even with the waving Grayson Barber and Tyler Freeman, which, you know, some people yep. are like, why we, we lost step. I'm like, these guys aren't going to play. And if they, they were, we're, we're in trouble anyway. They so, weren't playing and they weren't good when they did play. So, yeah, you know, there was that, uh, yeah. but I will say, you know, who knows, who knows true. 
true. Maybe we uh, maybe we sell shallowy for massive money this summer, and uh, you know. Well, if he pops off ten and if he pops off ten and seven in the first half of the year, like he did last year, I mean, at twenty five, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe Maybe. we'll have to see. Um, He's kind of at that point in his career where typically guys aren't sold from MLS for a lot of money. How old was uh, Almiron when he went to Newcastle? He was he was still he was like yeah no he yeah he was twenty two or twenty three. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. So yeah, Shallowy's a little bit later, and and you know those two years he lost, I think, are going to hurt his ability to get a big deal at Europe. But we'll see. I'm, but but he's looking for a big deal there. here, right? So he's going to get a he's going to get a generous deal regardless of whether he stays in MLS. I think or, if he gets the Johnny Russell deal, I'm perfectly fine with it. Give him yeah. the just under you know just under Max Tam contract. I think that's yeah. perfectly reasonable for what his his production has been. But I'm also going to wait until June before I offer it and make sure that yeah. we're getting the same guy again. Yep. Um, I mean, it, just, he, he has looked very good in preseason, so there yes. is that. Yeah, that's true. So let's go real fast through preseason because we kind of covered a lot of Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so so it's funny, like like that's how the game started, right? Is that mm-hmm. you know is is Kyrie gets on a ball uh, and he has a, a chance in on goal all by himself, basically, and 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 you know it's a good save, but it is saved and. Uh, and the expectation is that you know if you have you know if you have for a nine million dollar striker for instance that 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 player is going to finish that goal. So it's, again, it's not to say that he's a bad player, but you know you want your starting center forward to finish that goal. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I alluded to it earlier. Um, Logan and Denbe doing a lot of combining with Shallowy, um, making a lot of very aggressive runs uh, up the field, and tracking back correctly but had a couple less than great you know and the goal the goal was not all him i mean no uh, no no no. he was the beginning of the domino so and 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 you know you and you know here's where we go to players strengths and weaknesses again you can chalk some of that goal up to uh fontas just you know not quite being athletic enough to make a play on the ball as it goes over his head i mean he tried he was he was close but just not quite and so you know that's nobody no player is perfect and a lot of a lot of you know managing a soccer team is accounting for strengths and weaknesses and you know and putting players uh in spots where you know they can be most successful sometimes means you know pairing them with people for instance to mask their weaknesses i mean for a 22 year old fullback that's been with the team for three weeks i'm really happy absolutely yeah really happy i mean you know shallowy's goal is him i mean you know he did a great job yeah 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 so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm perfectly, perfectly happy with, with how he played. And it was actually kind of eye-opening to see the, the way that he plays fullback and how dynamic he can be. I, I was, I was very um, excited by the vast majority of what I saw from him. The um, important thing other- too is he's, he's active enough defensively yes. that, that Peter's going to roll with him, right. Yeah. And let him figure it out. So that's. He's a little Jimmy Madronda ish. You notice yeah. that? Yeah, he's got, <laughs> I, I haven't seen him try any 40 yard, you know, left footed lasers, but um, <laughs> there, hey, there's only one Jimmy, man. <laughs> I love but that. He's, dude he's so got much. a little bit of that to him. He does. Although um, uh, Cody uh, designated, you know, uh, power cube enthusiast and thick boy and cute enthusiast. I did. I did send you a picture because Logan and Denbe has some gigantic calves. Like he that does. dude looks like. 
he's he i've been doing his popeye spinach or something but yeah. man that guy is he's gonna he's gonna need uh the same treatment that uh, shakiri is gonna need to stretch out them <laughs> socks <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was very good to see him play. And I, I do, I do feel I, it's been, it's weird to think about a left back and being really excited about him, but yeah, he's been by far of the new players. Other Uri, Uri is playing great, but he's honestly, honestly, Uri is, is mind blowing to me. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I was not expecting Roselle to look this good, like at all. Um, he looks really good defensively. I, yeah, like, I thought he was. I kind of thought he was cooked. Honestly, I thought I thought yeah. the injuries and and the age had kind of you know worn him down. But he looks. Uh, he looks. He looks really, really good. He's so. got. He's got some bite to him, and mm-hmm. I, you know, more bite than we were getting from Elie. That's for damn sure. And yeah. I, and more recovery capability than we were getting from Elie. So I. Yeah, that's a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, wow. he does have we're just dogging on everybody. That's all the nice guys are just getting slammed hey, on the podcast. It's object, today. it's objectivity. No, yeah. we're not dogging on him. Yeah, I, right. I no lies, no lies were told, Drew. No, no lies, yeah, exactly. I don't have much to take from the second half. I didn't watch the majority of it. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know. Did you watch the whole game? I didn't really watch it closely, but um, you know, I, I noticed, you know, um. You know, so since since uh, Shelton went off a little bit early, um, and I guess he's okay. I didn't really hear anything. Yeah, they just said that he had a little bit of calf tightness, and it was more okay, like just right. don't get injured. That was um, really all it was. So you know, I thought I thought Cisneros was uh, his movement was really good, but you know, if 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 Ozzy is starting uh, a lot of games for us at that position, we're in we're in. Uh, um, Estamos Jodidos? Is that the... Is that the <laughs> Estamos Jodidos. How are you rolling with that? Uh, yeah, so it's not going to be good, but that's okay. Because <laughs> um, I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, but uh, they were fine in the second half. You know, Ben Sweat is a really important addition to the team because, you know, he, you know, uh, it was obvious, I think, brought a little bit of veteran leadership to the team that was on there in the second half. And, you know, we got to see the, the swan songs of... Uh, of uh, Freeman and uh, Barber. And so, you know, farewell to those two dudes. And, yep. uh, you know, other than Hopefully that, I mean, they latch on somewhere and get to play. That's what I, I think it would be good for them is I just think they need to go somewhere. They get to play. They just think they're a USL championship. Yeah. That's what they'll do. They'll end up in USL. Yeah. Uh, Which is, I think it would have been that's where they belong. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, the way that MLS next is, is now it's very much, you know, a U23 team for the MLS club. And I don't think that that's a good place for either of those guys to be. So no. I, I think that it's, I think that you're, you're doing right by them. If you're not going to, if they're not going to feature at all to just let them go and let them go find a place where they can play regularly. Well, and, you know, they had opportunities in both in, in the preseason games that we were able to actually watch and they did not impress, you know, neither one of them really did anything notable at all. And so if you can't do it, you know, then, um, you know, you can't, you can't be that disappointed when you get cut. There's, it's weird. There's all kinds of like conspiracies and everything about them getting cut. And it's like, no, really, they're just not that good. I mean, they're, I, just not good they're, enough. they're not, they're not that good. And, you know, why would you keep players on your roster who, uh, who weren't even good enough to be backups? And um, if you, you know, just let them go play somewhere else. And you're right. If SKC two is not an option for them, and I don't, I think they have other plans for that team. Then, then just, just you know, let them go, split ways, and and um, everybody's happy that way. 
ever since the whole Kevin Ellis thing, there just seems like a conspiracy theory pops out every time a somewhat, you know, interesting player gets ethered for some reason, right? <laughs> and just doesn't play. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, what did he do? The Roberto Punchets was a prime right. one, right? I mean, and it's uh, same Peter does do that. I mean, you know, Claudio yeah, Biela, but, it, but it, it it isn't necessarily because of some serious locker room problem or or whatnot, right. or you know. I've heard insinuation that Tyler Freeman, the club was mad at him for some reason. And that's why he got sent to Germany. I, okay. I don't have any information about any of that stuff. I just, I, I'm not worried about that. He, he wasn't good enough to feature for this team. He just wasn't. And so giving him an opportunity to go somewhere and perhaps improve his game or find something positive is great. Some of these guys, you know, I think, we get this opinion of them that they're going to be great players because they, they feature, they scored some goals in the, in for SKC two and Swope park Rangers. And I'm just sorry. The quality between those leagues is significantly different. Well, they and, didn't score that many goals. I mean, it's right, not like they're lighting yeah. it up. Right. Right. Exactly. But Wilson Harris did. And then couldn't even get on the day. I mean, granted, I think Wilson Harris's problem is that, he is not the striker that Peter wants. He's not that no. type of player. So the, the, he's not a very good fit in the system. And again, he had chances too. I mean, you know, he, yeah. he did play some minutes at the end of games and he did not do anything uh, notable at all. So yeah, that's that, That's when you're a pro like that, you gotta, you know, you gotta take advantage of uh, yeah. at any level in soccer, honestly. Right. If you want to, if you want to bump up to the next level, when you're given an opportunity, you have to take advantage of it. Well, and that's what we said. We, you know, Uri has obviously done that since he's gotten to the club. He looks great and, mm-hmm. you know, taking advantage of the fact that Jose Maury has been dealing with a knock and hasn't been able to play much. And you would have thought that Uri was maybe behind Maori going into this season. And I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, yeah. Logan and Denbe, similar deal. Ben Sweat can only, you know, Peter's being really careful. He's said multiple times that he's going to be careful about how he brings him along after his knee injury. And so when Denbe comes straight into the club and starts balling and that's how he gets on the field. And, and, you know, Peter said the same thing about Kyrie as much as we think he's going to start most of the games. He said in the press conference this week, you know, the question was, is Kyrie now the starter for the rest of the year? Sam McDowell, our good friend, um, was was in the press conference this week. And he said, is Kyrie the starter for the rest of the year? And he's like, uh, well, I mean, you know, I think he is right now, but, you know, he's going to have to earn his time on the field. I don't give minutes out to anybody. They, right. they earn them. And um, right now he is earning the, the right to be the starter, but, you know, he's going to have to continue to do that. And so, you know, that's going to be true of any player and you got to go earn your minutes. And these guys did not. So that's why they're no longer with the club. Yep. Um, okay. So let's transition a little bit. Um, I sent you a very interesting thread to me about how the best teams in the world, specifically the best teams in England, as we look at it, um, set their teams up specifically in possession. We're not necessarily looking at defense. Um, we're specifically looking at possession, both from build out to re- to gain control, as well as using your team positioning, your your ability to create advantages, both from both numerical advantage as well as position advantage, overloads all of those kinds of things. And it was a very interesting thread. Jamie Scott, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Jamie, but Jamie put a thread out talking about this. And it's, it's basically the concept of, and the reason I found it very interesting is because I believe it's very similar to how Peter sets this team up. 
he he is he is I don't know if he would say that he does this, but he steals a lot from Pep and Jurgen Klopp. He steals a lot from them. They they there's a lot of concepts to how the team is set up to play that are very similar to Man City and Liverpool. I think more right now closer to Liverpool um, than City, mainly because City doesn't really have a center forward. Um, well, that might happen to us. You never <laughs> that might happen. It could well, be. That, that could, switch might, could flip overnight, man. You <laughs> might need to do the pep thing. Well, we don't have Rodri either. So there's differences in how you're going to set up those teams um, based on your available talent and their skill sets. But it's the concept of having kind of a narrow, solid back five and either a two, three or a three, two. And then, and then having a front wall of five that covers the entire width of the field. And um, if you're playing in like a back three, like say Chelsea does, typically you've got the back three center backs and then you've got your double pivot, be it, you know, Jorginho and Kovacic or Conte. And then you've got your three center backs are that three, two. And then your width comes from your wing backs up top with, and then you've got the two tens and the center forward. So that, that, that's kind of how Chelsea set their team up. When you look at, say, a Liverpool, which is a lot more similar information to sporting, the width is actually coming from the wide midfielders, where you've got you've got a it's a two three, right? Where, or excuse me, the width is actually coming from the fullbacks, and you've got the wide midfielders are playing in a th- the midfielders are playing in a three in front of your two center backs. So you got Van Dijk and Matip, you've got Fabinho, and then usually it's what is it, uh, Hendo and. Uh, maybe Nabi Keita or somebody like that, that are, that are, that are your three in front of your two center backs. And then you've got Trent Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson on, on the, on the sides. Whereas um, with city, they actually tuck in their fullbacks into the midfield. And then they allow De Bruyne and Foden to go out wide and create your five wide that way. So the fullbacks actually, invert and become part of the midfield and your two, three then becomes your two center backs, your two fullbacks and Rodri. And then you've got the front line of guys is created with that way, but still the concept is the same. You've got a narrow base that is creating possession and control. And then you've got the five across the top that are creating the width and your ability to control the entire width of the field as you build build possession. So there's, there's a couple of, there's a couple of key uh, concepts that are at work here. So, so one is having the, the, the narrow base forces counterattacks out wide and you, you, and you want to force counterattacks wide, obviously, because it's not in front of the goal. And because, you know, anytime you can, anytime you can force play wide as a defense, um, even if you're uh, pr- uh, pressing, you know, in the opponent's half, uh, anytime you can force wide, um, you can use the sideline as an extra defender. And so a lot of times, and I think that that's, that's also a key component of, you know, having um, the wide attackers as well is because when you win the ball back, if the ball gets played out wide, it's a, it's a key counter-pressing opportunity is to pin teams um, against the sideline and, um, and either, you know, win the ball back or force the ball out of bounds or what have you. Um, and, and a so, lot of this is what you're talking about when you're talking about rest defense, right? Is yeah, that your positioning, your positioning is already there to defend the next potential action. 
that's the that's like that's the whole point of of the way that Peter Vermes positions. That's the whole you know when we when we complain about, for instance, you know the that Vermes midfielders don't go into the box. Like that's why is because they have to be in position to um, to prevent um, counterattacks. And 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 so you what you want is you want to generate attacks from wide areas because if you lose the ball in wide areas, it's a lot less dangerous. It's a lot more difficult to counterattack from wide areas, and it's a lot easier to counterpress if the ball is already in a wide area. Um, and yet, so one of the things that's been um, you know, that's been a sort of a growing pain for the team uh, in the in the preseason um, is that they're still having problems uh, with the counter press. And so they're still giving like Phoenix had lots of counterattacking uh, opportunities. And, you know, anybody who's followed the team for a couple of years knows that, that um, counterattacks are have, have been an issue for the team. So, you know, like a team like Manchester City, for instance, I mean, they they uh, prevent counterattacks by fouling. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know they have Rodri, or before Rodri, it was uh, it was Fernandinho. They just foul, like they they just foul and get everybody back and reset the the defense. Um, and if you have smart players who can cover ground um, and not pick up, you know, too many cards, it works really really well. Um, and so, you know, that was one of the, that was, you know, that was one of the problems um, with, uh, with a team using, you know, Ilya as a, as a holding midfielder is that, you know, he just could not, he just athletically, he could not cover the ground needed to snuff out uh, counterattacks. And so and, when your counterpress fails, yep, you've got counterpress- eight guys across the half line. Yep. It's rough at that point to defend because, yep. You know the the rest defense in that in that role for the for the eights is to counterpress the ball when it's lost. That's their role is to immediately. So, so it's it's really like like this is something that Kansas City does that on that you know neither uh, Liverpool nor Man City does, and I honestly I can't think of another team that I have seen who presses with their eights as much as Sporting Kansas City. Like literally, um, you know, you would generally, you would think that in a 4-3-3 that the, that the wide forwards would be the ones, you know, pressing up wide. But generally what happens is those wide forwards, which are Shallowy and, and Russell, you know, they drift, they drift back. So they're closer to the fullbacks and it is, it is the eights who move up, you know, on either side of the center forward. And then those three pay, players are the ones that, that uh, initiate the press. And, you know, I mean, like I said, that's, I mean, that's a a really um, sort of an impressive wrinkle uh, for uh, for a a coach in a league uh, like MLS to sort of, you know, to to be able to use and to be able to employ consistently throughout the years to really great effect. But it, but also it it really demands a lot out of those players. That's why Roger. It's personnel. It's, it's personnel specific though, too. When you look at the players that have been playing in those roles for the past five years, Right. If you look at Roger Espinoza, you look at Gary Kinda, you look at Felipe Gutierrez, you look at, um, you know, what we have from Felipe Hernandez, Cameron Duke. These guys are guys that can run for days. Right. They're good at pressing. They're good at covering a lot of ground. They have speed. They have the ability to track back. They understand when to track back. There's it's just the skill sets. And part of it is Peter's recruiting these type of players Mm -hmm. because that's how he wants the midfield to play. But it is 
it is it is a key capability of the roster specifically to be able to do that. Um, I would say that there's a vast majority of MLS rosters that aren't set up to be able to accomplish that. Not at all. And the other thing that it, it the, the other thing of value that it creates is that if they are pressing or counter pressing in those scenarios and they get that turnover, your wingers are free. Yep. You have so much space on the edge to take advantage of at that point. And that's where we see the combinations occur. If you think about where all the goals came from last year, they came from these guys coming from wide. They're both inverted wingers, right? They're both, they're both cutting in onto their, onto their primary foot. And they're, if you get them in space, that is where the goals came from. So at its, at its most basic, um, you know, stripped down element, soccer is about, managing space right so you know if if you're if you have the ball it's about creating space um that you can um take advantage of uh attack into move into and uh, if you don't have the ball it's about eliminating space and so um you know i think like for me uh, soccer became a lot easier to sort of wrap my right my my mind around when i realized that that was like that's really you know what most coaches are seeing and that's what most coaches are driving towards and, and just to go back to the midfielder thing and the the recruitment thing i i i will always kind of believe that one of peter vermes's greatest accomplishments is turning benny fellhaber into that player right i mean because yeah. he was like when he came he was like like a classical like south american number 10 style player um who didn't like defend or press or do any of those things and and for 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 peter to change benny or to to coach benny into that position um where he was you know for you know a couple of years one of one of the very best players in the league playing that way really really impressive impressive from peter but also impressive from phil hobbert to kind of take advantage of that and and to really let himself uh be pushed in that direction benny's he's, talked about it he's talked he about it been they, awarded, yeah. he should have been awarded a a, a a world cup you know uh for that but you know yeah. there were other players ahead of him so yeah i mean but he he's you know when they did the podcast he he had discussed it like it and that was a thing that he credited peter with with challenging him to do it and that it did elevate his game and yeah. and it made him a better soccer it made him understand soccer a lot better too like that that was the part that i thought was very interesting especially now that he's a coach right he's coaching the the twos he's it's obviously elevated his understanding of the game and made it something that he wanted to continue to elevate. And um, yeah, there there's, there's a lot of good things that Peter has done over the time and you can see it, you know, you talk about the culture, you talk about the people that he brings in and the type of people he brings in and, and recruiting for the right to the sporting way and all those things. He's been very successful in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, of, of making those things. And so here's what I, here's what I want to say about, you know, this setup we've seen sporting build out from this, right. And it would be the two, three, five, right. Is what they would be building from. The only thing I would say is that I was thinking about this over the last year, how they did it. And it was slightly different when Busio was there versus when he wasn't. Um, when Busio was with the team early in the season, it was more of a three, two, five Busio was dropping deep and getting on the ball very early. And the main reason is because Busio is fantastic in space. Like if he has space and he has the ability to look up and find the pass, he's 
fantastic at it and he can see the field in front of him. And that was the thing that they did. They put him at the six, they dropped him further back. They actually, he would get up behind in between the center backs, or he would be part of the back three on the left. He would do those kinds of things and, and actually, you know, build from that position. And that's where they'd create control with him on the ball deep. And then you would have the two eights and then you would have the fullbacks, you know, going up high. Um, when Busio left, they, and especially with Elia having to play center back, they didn't do that as much. And it was more of a two, three. Um, and my expectation, I don't, ha, have you seen Uri dropping deep to receive that much? I don't know that. No, I, have. I haven't, but, but it's hard to, um, you know, especially with the, with the camera work in preseason, it's yeah. hard to see what's going on, um, not on the ball. And so, um, so it's something I think to keep an eye on, but I think that in general, I think that, that, um, you know, Peter has been moving kind of away from that. Like when Ilya first got here, he was constantly between the center backs yeah. and, um, and he started, you know, a couple of years ago, I think pushing a little bit further forward. And so, um, you know, I think that part of the reason that Busio did that is, is like you said, it was, it's easier for Busio to get space that way. And Busio is young enough and, and covers enough ground that he can, that he can drift, you know, to either side of the center backs if he needs to and, and find space uh, that way and still, you know, snap back into his, you know, central defensive area if he needs to. Um, and I think that that's, you know, um, it's it's you know it's a tribute to him and his understanding of the game but it's also a tribute also to his age and his ability to to cover ground um you know being right. as young so i i think that it's just something that i think you everybody listening should keep an eye out for i think it's probably mm-hmm. going to be that two three that narrow two three is what the build is going to be with the, the wide yeah. five up top um you're going to see some some different interchanges about how that five looks especially if we're you know, to believe Peter that Kyrie is going to be dropping back and especially getting in between the lines to receive. Um, that is something that Polito did very regularly. He would drop in between the lines there. And when, I want to make sure that people understand this. When I say drop in between the lines, typically teams are defending in either a 4-4-2 or a 4-5-1 or a 5-4-1 kind of setup. So they'll have five wide either They'll either have four to five wide in a defensive line and then four in front of it or four and four and two forwards pressing. It, it really depends. But typically that's the setup you're going to see when I'm saying drifting in between the lines, you're getting in between the defensive line and that midfield line. So either yeah. it's a five, four or a four, four, whatever it is, finding space in between those areas to receive. Um, if Kyrie is going to be doing that as opposed to driving into those two center backs and occupying them, it does create a difference in how, that front line is going to try and build. Um, additionally, to your point earlier, it's going to make it's going to have an impact on what either one of the eights is doing to maybe surpass Kyrie and get into that back defensive line as he receives and then releases. One thing that Kyrie is very good at is passing. He is a good passer. He mm-hmm. has very good passing stats. Um, his completion percentage is pretty high, and his key passes and that kind of stuff is not so good, but he doesn't need to make a key pass from that position, right? He really just needs to find the guy that's on the run and he is good at that part of it. So from that perspective, you know, I, you just keep an eye out if he does start dropping in between the defensive line and the midfield line to receive the ball versus pushing up against the center backs and then trying to kind of get him over the top or being more direct to how he gets the ball. 
Well, that's also going to have an effect on what happens to the fullbacks. And so, you know, if you if your if your goal is really to kind of maintain the that three in midfield uh, in order to to sort of make yourself more resistant to counterattacks, that's some that's a place where you'll see Zusi tuck into a lot. And so, uh, so you would have Zusi, and then you know, uh, you know. Um, whoever's playing holding midfielder, I guess, Roselle, Zussi, Roselle, and then, you know, likely uh, uh, one of the eights is is sort of staying home and at least providing that sort of, you know, five-person base. And so you're always kind of attacking. You've seen Roger five. do that, especially when yeah, Roger and Zussi are out there. Roger mm-hmm. will rotate wide when Zussi cuts inside. And it it's a it's a skill set that Zussi has, so you want to take advantage of it. If he can, mm-hmm. if he can tuck in like that and kind of get into the midfield or get at the top of the, the get to the corner of the 18. He's dangerous there. As we know, either whipping in across, bending in a shot. There's a variety of things he can do from that, mm-hmm. from that position that add value. Roger's very smart about drifting wide to cover in that circumstance, if necessary. Um, I don't know that we've seen enough. I mean, Voltaire is pretty sharp. He'll, he'll make those rotations when necessary. I, we're just going to have to watch and see. Right. But Zussi does. I mean, this is his second year in MLS, Voltaire, and so you know, you know, you would expect that if that if he is a quality player, that we're going to see it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although, well, you know, one of the one of the problems though is that he hasn't really been there this preseason because he's been dealing with his other stuff. So that does, I guess, uh, kind of maybe set the the. the he's time. just missed the last week. Like he was there for the first four weeks of preseason. I'm not necessarily that concerned about it. Um, what, what is interesting is I don't know that I've got examples in my brain of Voltaire making that rotation wide. I've seen him out there. I just don't know that yeah. I, I, I've seen, I know Roger does it. I've seen him do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you have to be able to do that as the, as the right sided eight in that circumstance, because Zussi is going to cut in mm-hmm. and he has a lot of value cutting in from the fullback position there, especially because Johnny's going to want to play from the, the right side. He's going to want to get wide and kind of attack the box from the side. Um, so, you know, there's going to be some of those rotations happen, but in general, look for that two, three, five. It's, it's very, it's a, when I saw the thread and read through it, I'm like, man, I, this looks really familiar to me. And I've seen, I've seen it utilized fairly regularly over the last few years. And it was kind of fun to, to look at the analysis of it and see how different in completely different formations Mm-hmm. utilize basically the same concept just yeah and so, so one thing to really really keep an eye on with it because the whole you know the whole idea uh behind sort of the resting defense and you know keeping that solid base uh really what you want to do is uh prevent counterattacks. and and as we've discussed they've not been that great at it so far um in the preseason and so it'll be interesting to see um uh, if they're able to improve over uh, the course of the season, you know. So one of the nice things, and we've mentioned this before, is that they have um, they've gotten a lot younger, right? They were like the second oldest team in in MLS last year. So yep. um, getting younger is important, and because they also uh, have gotten more athletic, and so they have uh, they have players I think who can help. Uh, who can help cover space uh, a little bit more um, and help provide that counter press. And you know, it's really important to remember that, you know, when, when you have a team that 
possesses the ball as much as Sporting Kansas City does. And they're always, you know, in the top five in MLS and in, in possession numbers. Um, that is the Achilles heel, right? When you when you play defense by having the ball and possessing the ball, the problem is that you 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 tend to let, you know, you drift forward into the attack. And you know, there will be times when both of our center backs are in the attacking half. And uh, whenever you do that, you're, you're, you know, the, the, the Achilles heel of that is a counterattack against uh, teams that have speed and especially teams that set up against to play that way. And that's, you know, that's why traditionally we have problems with teams like Portland, for instance, because that's the way Portland plays as they play. They are generally speaking, they're a counterattacking team. And so um, it's just one of those things that it's worth keeping in mind. It's worth keeping an eye on when we, when we play teams like that uh, and we have the ball a lot, uh, it's, you know, how we, how we, how we counter press, which is how we, how we press immediately after we lose the ball um, um, is really important. And that's really uh, important. Like watch turnovers. Yeah. Watch when turnovers happen and then what the players do after that turnover both from the person that is actually counterpressing the ball and trying to limit the ability of the opponent to spring a counterattack, as well as the people retreating to cover it. There's mm-hmm. some very specific responsibilities that happen at that point. And it's, it's always, you can, when a counterattack is successful, you can generally point out somebody either is a step late, either in counterpressing or covering the person they're supposed to cover. It's 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 usually very clear in those circumstances. And that's the stuff that I'm sure Peter is going over in film sessions and whatnot with players and be like, no, you've got to, when this happens, you got to be doing this. And, well, and it's just and really it's drills and all that kind of stuff. We, you know, just by, just by the eye test, by looking at the players that we have uh, acquired just in preseason, we, we're better, we're going to be better equipped to counter press. Sure than we were last year. Yep. And, um, and we were pretty good at it last year, to be completely yeah, honest. I absolutely. mean, counterattacks are going to occur, especially against a team like Sporting, who builds from this narrow base, creates control, and moves the ball forward in the way that they do with managing possession and using the ball to defend. You're going to get counterattacked. Every team on earth is going to set up to try and take advantage of a counterattack against you because of how you play. So some of them are going to come off per game. That's going to happen. The question is, is how well does the team deal with it? And um, I think you make an, a very, very good point that the players that we've brought in have skill sets and athletic capabilities that will help reduce the effectiveness of those counterattacks when they do when they do occur. When the counterpress doesn't get the ball back or slow it down enough or whatever it's designed to do, recovery defense at that point, right? Now we're not, now we're, now it's not rest defense and getting to the right place and stopping the counterattack. Now you're recovering. And that's a separate set of skills that I do believe that some of these players possess at a higher, at a higher level than we have historically seen. Well, and EC makes a big difference with that. And of course. Yeah. So, so, you know, as, as amazing as, um, as the, the Fontas Ilier uh, uh, combo was in terms of possessing the ball and, uh, we were really, really successful um, with those two guys as our center backs, and that they that is that was a big weakness from from them is that um, is in, in they are not speedy guys, they're not the most athletic guys, um, and and so when you're you know dealing with a counterattack, 
um, you know, they get, it's easier for them to get caught out and not be able to recover. And it puts more of a, it puts more of a stress on, um, on Tim Melia to come up and make saves, which he's really good at doing, but you know, you can only do that so many times. And so, right. you know, between having, between having, um, EC now, um, hopefully healthy and, and also having, you know, uh, some younger and rangier, um, uh, choices, uh, holding midfielder, I think that, uh, I'm I'm excited for how the team responds. I would also say that Fontes is an exceptionally smart soccer player. So most 100%. of the time when he gets caught out, he's just yep. caught out. But the, there's a lot of times if you watch him, he reacts to those situations a step ahead of a lot of people. And that's why he's able to get into the positions he needs to, even if he doesn't possess the athletic capability to run someone down, he can get there early. And well, that, that is, that is what, that is what allows him to be, yep. I mean, I, in my opinion, a, a best 11 defender last year, because yep. he reads the game so well. And he's so smart about when, when those transition events happen, what he has to do and predicting well, been, them happening. He's been trained in this, in this system, this, I, you know, this set of principles his whole life. I mean, you know, he's a Barcelona player and this is sort of the Barcelona style, right? The, you know, possession based four, three, three, you know, counter pressing, uh, that is total football. That is it, Ben. And mm-hmm. that's, uh, and so that's why, you know, that's, that's why Peter has, you know, an infatuation with Barcelona B players is because, um, they, they are familiar with the system and it's easier to get them to make that transition. So it gets me fired up, man, because we could be playing, we or could be playing, we could be watching a team that low blocks and, you know, bang yeah, and move. Totally. <laughs> and that is some soccer to watch man it is not fun to watch i mean so Um, so so like part of me like like there is something so exhilarating about beautiful uh counterattacks um and i really enjoy watching them but in order to get those you have to really suffer through uh, a lot of times some pretty boring soccer uh and so the nice thing is is that you know um is that you know we follow a team who has the ball a lot and uh and it's it's more fun to watch soccer when you have the ball. Well, and they just do fun stuff with the ball. You yeah. see the combinations. You see the you know you see the 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 rondos against the sideline, and you mm-hmm. see the different things happening. Um, you see the center forward drop deep, and the guys overlap, and it just there's so much going on that is actually fun soccer to to watch yeah. and analyze. That it 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 does make it a lot better. You know, I, you know, as much as I, and you know, there were a couple goals this year that sporting had like over 30 passes on before the yeah. ball went in the net, like every, every player touched the ball and it was like 30 plus passes. And that's some fun stuff to see. Um, but to your point, when you're so used to banging it around for 30 passes, you can get a little lackadaisical yes. and about what your, what your rest defense priorities are and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And, Maybe get well, a little bit too aggressive. That sort of overconfidence uh, happens to the team. It happened a lot to the team last year where they yep. would sort of lull themselves into a false sense of security, pass, 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 and without having like, you know, a real cutting edge to their attack. And next thing you know, you know, it just takes a small mistake. You lose the ball and boom, you got, you know, you got a 3v2 at the back and that's uh, that's not good. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, we hopefully, you know, when we, you know, when we have, uh, especially when we bring in, you know, younger, more dynamic players, we don't, we don't fall into that sort of complacency. Absolutely. 
or we've got dynamic players that can that can create an advantage themselves where you're not banging around the ball so much trying to find a way to unlock a defense as well. That's so, again, that's why they that's why they spent nine million dollars on Polito. I mean, exactly. Yep. So that's our uh, that's our nerdy tactics breakdown of the day. I thought it was an interesting concept that um, we do, you know, see sporting employ. And um, I think you can expect to see a lot of that occurring. There's nothing about how the roster set up and what I've seen so far from the team that makes me think that this is going to be different. I think some of the players may, you know, um, drift from their positions in different ways, depending on what their skill sets are, but the rotations are the same. The, the basic setup is the same. It's just a matter of when that person drifts, what the next person does and follows through with. Um, our, our friend Charles Gooch would say soccer is dominoes. When one thing happens, something else has to happen afterward. And, and hopefully what you're doing with this setup is controlling which domino falls next, as opposed to reacting to it. That's, well, and that's, again, I, I think it's, I think it's just more reason to be optimistic and even excited about the season. Cause you know, we keep talking about how, you know, we have, we have, you know, players with different skill sets and, you know, some, some uh, competition for spots at, at, uh, at different uh, positions. And uh, it should be exciting because, you know, since, since like in some respect, like the system is the system and we're going to just sort of play the system, you know, forever. And uh, as long as Peter Vermes is the coach. So the, so the, the best way to, to the easiest way to tweak the system is just to put in players with slightly different skill sets into those positions and, um, and let them sort of, um, uh, interpret their their individual responsibilities uh, in unique ways, and I think we're better set up to do that maybe now than we have been in quite some time. I agree completely. Nothing Great. to add to that. Not All right, that. perfect <laughs> podcast. We're we're good. <laughs> so uh, next week we'll uh, we'll just do we'll have a little bit of a preview. The first game of the season uh, away to Atlanta. There is a match this weekend in Austin against Toronto. I don't believe it's televised in any way. So not, we'll not that I've that. seen. Yeah. We'll have to see what ends up on sporting KC match day or what, you know, I don't know who's there. Um, I don't think any of the broadcast team is there. So we'll just have to take what we get on the Twitter feed. They, they can't um, travel Drew. They spent all their money on analytics. So, <laughs> well, they were all in Phoenix for like a yeah, like 10 I, days. <laughs> um, Anyway, so uh, we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, the, the next podcast, we'll do a little bit of an Atlanta preview. Maybe we'll talk about some players we're most excited to see and um, what we're hoping for. And I'm sure we'll come up with some other things to talk about. So until next time, I'm Drew. He's Cody. Have a great, uh, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you all soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.